You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. No, you're right. I don't know either. But you know what gets more than two listeners every week? Oh, yeah, because I listen and my mom listens. That will be us, Ed. Oh, that means we have three because I also listen. Welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCall in Crime, Wes Bradshaw. This is episode 106 of the AFA Pod, and we have a slam jam packed episode to talk to you about today. We say adieu, West Ham fans bid. Goodbye to Upton Park and also most of their sensibilities and class, if they ever had any to begin with. Uh, we'll also talk about... Maybe for a lifetime to a few of their fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we also say goodbye potentially to one John Terry, as the board may be meeting with him in a few days to discuss his future. We'll also, of course, potentially be saying goodbye to Roberto Martinez and maybe hello to Frank DeBoer, who just a couple hours ago stepped down at Ajax. So, hey, welcome, Frank, to the Premier League. We'll trust you with our hundreds of billions of pounds. I'm just impressed that you finally said that damn team name right. What, Ajax? Yeah. You're welcome. That's my gift to you tonight. Well, well, this is my birthday edition of the show. It is. It's true. Happy birthday, by the way. Yeah, it was great. I'm glad it was. As always, share with Mother's Day. Really works out well for me. I'm so sorry. Oh, he'll never stop complaining and, about that. And if, if we've learned nothing else from the uh, all new sports show uh, brand, yeah, we do know that everything revolves around me. It's true. He'll never stop telling you that. And just speaking of never stopping, you know what else doesn't stop? That's right, NGSC Sports. You can find them at NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. You can also find them on Twitter at NGSC Sports. Find us on Twitter at AFA Pod, at West Bradshaw 21, and at Edward Green. That's me. First, Wes, let's head into our Premier League recap. Um, a lot to talk about. 14 matches to discuss, but really there's no need to discuss 14 matches. Some of them barely mattered. Some of them barely registered. Some of them legitimately do matter, though, including one of the ones from Sunday, West Bradshaw. Manchester City 2, Arsenal 2. Manchester City twice took the lead against Arsenal, which of course prompted Arlo White to exclaim that Arsene Wenger had gone all double teapot, but each time their leading goal was cancelled out, first by Olivier Giroud, yeah, he still plays football apparently, and then second by Alexis Sanchez, Aguero and De Bruyne, the goal scorers for 
Manchester City. And of course, West, the big thing that comes out of this is Arsenal now basically guarantees themselves third place in the table. City, just days after getting knocked out of the Champions League, now is primed in that fourth place position and still which in a match we'll get into a little bit still kind of have to look over their shoulder just in case to make sure that they don't fall into fifth place but what a bullet they dodged yeah they did we like i said we will get to that one in a just a little oh winston reed pep's frantically trying to get him on the phone now um but really this this was this was an opportunity you know we've said a couple times lately you know maybe maybe city are showing some some newfound steel you know holding real to a scoreless draw at home um coming back with some big road wins this and that and then they're home at the etihad and twice they let a one-goal lead slip away with Champions League qualification theirs for the taking. I mean, if they get that win, they're at 67. Arsenal are at 67, and it's a horse race from there. City have a plus-five uh, goal differential over Arsenal, so they would have won that tiebreaker. Um, just really disappointing. Manuel Pellegrini, this is how his tenure is pretty much going to end uh, with them at best now in fourth place, it looks like. They could still finish third um, if if they win and Arsenal lose. I guess they could leap them. But other than that, that's that looks like how it's going to go down. And, and for City, what a, what a disappointing end to an incredibly disappointing 15-16 campaign. And not only that, uh, what an incredibly disappointing end for Pellegrini. Yeah. Who, after the match, uh, they, you know, kind of had the appreciation for Manuel Pellegrini. You know, thanks for winning us a league title and getting us further in Europe than we've ever gotten. Say some words to the fans. And then he looks up there, and there's literally maybe about 300 fans left in the entire stadium. Deplorable. I mean... <sighs> this is this is city. This is city now. That's it. I mean, that kind of. I mean, I, I can see where city fans are coming from. I mean, you know, not not to be a jerk to the guy, but you know what? It was a shitty season, and then it ends, you know, with a match that you should have had won. Um, you know, you end up blowing it, and you leave yourself at that point. They left themselves in trouble and missing the Champions League. I mean, I'd be ready to get the hell out of there too. I don't know. I mean, I, I I think there's a respect factor that comes into play. Now, on the other hand, I think I don't think Pellegrini has been the greatest manager uh, City could have had. I don't think he's always made the right decisions. I think a couple of decisions in the uh, the Champions League semis against Real were were highly questionable, actually. Um, and and maybe maybe you could argue they actually won the uh, the league a couple years ago in spite of him. You know, it, it took basically Chelsea and Liverpool really coming up lame at the end to, to sort of allow City to slide in there. But on on balance, I think that that's just, I don't know, that's just kind of shitty. I saw, now granted, these are these are two different scenarios, but after after Spurs lost to Southampton on Sunday, I, I saw the walk around the players gave, and, and the fans, the White Hart Lane was actually still pretty full, um, which given how 
disappointing the last three weeks have been. I wouldn't blame them if some of them had left, but they they stay there strong. Uh, again, these are probably two different fan bases who have experienced two different seasons and, and two different outcomes. But I just... I think that's garbage. And I'm not saying you do have a point. This this was a horribly underwhelming season. In a couple weeks, uh, we'll be doing our Premier League uh, season and review grades. And, and, oh boy, I'm sure City fans can't wait for me to give them theirs. Um, but I, I still think that that's kind of shitty what they did to Pellegrini. They're granted, the, the entire Pellegrini situation has been handled terribly. So. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, we are talking about City fans here. You know, we've said it before. <clears throat> you know, there, trust me, there are definitely the City diehards who... Those were probably the 300 that were still there. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's the group that deserves the success yes. that they've gotten. Yes. City. Um, that said, there are a lot of uh, plastics, yeah. as they're called. Uh, a lot of... Um, uh, as as the gentleman on our video we saw today on Facebook said, uh, calls them rent boys, even though that's more of a Chelsea term. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they've got a lot of newer fans. I guess yes. put it up, newer fans. And you know, they they don't. I, I think when when you become a fan of a team who has a long history of not being great and then suddenly when you become a fan is on their big rise um you then don't have the appreciation mm-hmm. of what's happening you know like i put it this way up <clears throat> you know if if you've become a red sox fan in the last 10 years you can't really you know if 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 the world series in 2004 oh, i became a red sox fan then then you can't really appreciate what it was like to be a Red Sox fan. Yeah, that's true. Or the feelings, or the feelings you know that we have toward Tito Francona, um, or um, uh, uh, John Farrell. Yes. You know, I mean, you've got people who are, oh, you got to get rid of John Farrell. You know, going this season, I'm sitting here like, well, wait a minute, he won a damn World Series, and then had just a, a crazy batshit year. Yeah. You know, no, we're not getting rid of John Farrell. John Farrell's like already a Red Sox legend. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that's what's happened with cities. You've got a lot of city fans who suddenly they come in. They've just got these huge expectations because, oh man, well, I started liking city the year they won the league, so they should always win the league. Um, you know, up until they won that first one under um, Mancini. Uh, Mancini. I don't think they've won one in about thirty or forty years. Uh forty-seven, if I remember the call. It, it was. It was a very long period. So, you know, the real fans, I think they appreciate first what Mancini did and then what Pellegrini's done. I mean, has Pellegrini been the greatest manager ever? No. Has he underachieved? Yeah, in places. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, you look at Pellegrini, A, he did win in three years, he won a league title, and he got them the farthest they've ever gotten in Europe. So, uh, you know, end of the day, he does deserve some respect. From City fans. Well, let me ask you Were this. Ever it? Probably not. Let me ask you this, because this will kind of tie into something we talked about on last week's episode. Who then was more disappointing, Guardiola or Pellegrini? Uh, I think it depends on what your expectations were. Okay. Um, I mean, to me, they're two completely different kinds of disappointing. Yeah. Um, 
Guardiola's disappointing is literally all in Europe. Mm-hmm. And the fact was, even in those, he lost three times in the semifinal. Yeah. I mean, now that was disappointing to Munich fans who felt that they had three teams that could have won the Champions League. And to me, you know, Guardiola is supposed to be the greatest manager ever. Truly, I've heard that. Yeah. Supposed to be like the greatest manager ever and couldn't get over just the one thing you were really asking him to do. Um, because, I mean, let, let's let's face it, winning the German League, I mean, if you're at Bayern, if you don't win the German League, you've absolutely blown it. Yeah. I mean, especially with Klopp gone now, you know, um, and Dortmund not quite being what they were under him. <clears throat> winning the league's like the prerequisite at, uh, at, at Munich. Um, for Pellegrini, I think more of their disappointment is just the fact and how much money they've put into the squad. And not that they haven't won some stuff, because they have won. I mean, you know, they won they won the League Cup this year. They've yeah. won the league under him. Um, I think they've won maybe another trophy or two under him. <clears throat> but it's just, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I think um, they just looked at their roster and were like, you know, we should have done better all around. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for Guardiola, I, I think it's just a different kind of disappointment. Oh, certainly, yes. Because, you know, Guardiola, it, it literally came down to, you know, you should have won the Champions League. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to say who was, quote, more disappointing. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I think... One of one of the disappointing things I think for me, watching City play was always how good they could look at times, uh-huh. and and just because I remember I was uh, one name technical director Jackie and I have watched a lot of soccer this year, and she's she's come to know City as that team that I constantly get frustrated at. Which again I am no City supporter, <laughs> but I will point out to her times when I will I will look show her goals and be like that's who city should be all the time and it pisses me off that they're not it pisses me off that they will go through multiple games where players look like they don't give a shit and i think that's that's the biggest problem i had with what pellegrini did and i'm not saying it's all his fault a lot of that falls on the players but at the same time i think that you know we've said it you can't just fire all the players at some point, three years in, that had to come to the coach, and and he never, I think, got them properly motivated for long enough stretches of time. Let me say one thing too about Pellegrini. When it comes down to personnel, <clears throat> I I don't think we really know exactly who's calling all the personnel shots at City. Okay, I don't believe it's Pellegrini. <clears throat> you know, um, I, I I believe if Pellegrini had really really had his way and had been more of a maybe a cold of personality um, manager, maybe like Mourinho or like Klopp has become, or, you know, like Pep at Dortmund or at Bayern, excuse me. Um, I believe that squad would look somewhat different than it does now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I know there've been players who have just been bought and he was kind of told, all right, you know, go coach them. We bought them, go coach them. Um, Yaya Toure over the last two years has just, God. I mean, you know, if someone can sully a legacy yeah. just by their attitude on the pitch, Yaya might be the poster boy for it. Yeah. 
I mean, and then this past weekend, he as disinterested as he has looked almost all season, this Saturday was like a new low. It was. It was as soon as he came on, I just shook my head and said, "Why? Why?" I mean, literally, you could have put a seventeen-year-old kid out there and at least gotten an effort. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Yaya Torre. <clears throat> personally, I mean, I would, I would like to see Pet keep him around and just have him continue. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, 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 I would be very interesting to see what the future for Yaya Torre is because I don't believe it's going to be at City. Mm-hmm. Well, he's already sold him once, so. Well, I, I want to see who exactly is going to jump on this player <clears throat> after the displays of the last few years. Where it's not a matter of, you know, talent or skill so much. It's just literally not giving a shit. It's China. The answer is China. And that might be it. And if that happens, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. That's all I got to say for him. Yeah. And, you know, this is a guy that two, three years ago, I would have told you, you know, that's who I'd be building my franchise around. Mm-hmm. He, he was that good. And, and was that much of a, you know, a terror out there. But, I mean, now you literally should have thrown a 20-year-old kid on there and just said, hey, go out and run hard. Yeah, disappointing. It's just as much of normal. Sums up city season. Uh, we're going to take the next two matches kind of in combination, one being a lot more exciting than the other. Uh, the first on Saturday, Sunderland 3, Chelsea 2. DeAndre Edlin assisting sort of luckily, on the winning goal for Sunderland on Saturday against Chelsea that Jermaine Defoe put in in the box to give Sunderland a 3-2 win and much-needed points. And then today, Wednesday, Sunderland 3, Everton, we're rolling over like dogs, nil. Uh, Sunderland get the six points they needed to stay up. They have locked in their place, which means we say adieu to Newcastle and Norwich, by the way, hello to Burnley and Middlesbrough. We look forward to seeing you guys next year. Burnley, how about scoring some goals this this season? We digress. Um, Wes, the team I classified at the beginning of the season as the worst team in the Premier League would maybe score 12 points and would definitely finish 20th and get relegated has somehow, some way, done the impossible again and escaped relegation. I don't know how this keeps happening, and then when I see the two, the last two matches that they've played, granted against two somewhat disinterested teams, I wonder how they allow themselves to get in that relegation position. As uh, Paul Carr mentioned on today's uh, Twitter feed, I believe Sunderland spent 237 days in the relegation zone this year, the most of any club in the Premier League, and they're staying up. Truly, Big Sam can enjoy his is all his pies and steaks tonight for he has he has done yeoman's work in pulling the black cats to safety once again um i have a conspiracy theory oh do you this i do um you look at the two teams that sunderland just played um that basically doomed newcastle to relegation Mm -hmm. newcastle of course coached by rafa benitez what group of fans hate Rafa Benitez more? Wow. Chelsea and Everton. Yeah. I, I, I believe they did it just to screw with Rafa. Wow. That yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> that said, 
I mean, folks, this is this is just this is what Sam Allardyce does. Yeah. Laugh at him. We poke fun. We talk about his stinking kidney pie. We talk about him saying he could manage uh, Real Madrid. Um, Sam Allardyce doesn't get relegated. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, he, and he proved it this year at Sunderland. It wasn't an easy year, but he's one of those guys who, at the end of the season, you know, you know, we always say things like, you know, uh, you know, a lot of teams just just stick around till late and try to win. Just give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. If Big Sam can keep his club and just give himself a chance at the end of the day, he's just he's got that sixth sense to keep himself up. It's crazy. Um, especially, you know, just, you know, last week, and I'm not throwing the, this in your face, like, oh, you were wrong. But, you know, <laughs> you did say last week, you know, oh, well, Newcastle get Villa on the weekend. That's basically as good as having match in hand. They're going to be fine. Um, and then, of course, Newcastle draw nil-nil against Villa. Um, I, were you were you surprised at all that, that out of the three that were battling for most this season and that for that one freedom spot between Norwich, Newcastle, and Sunderland. Are you surprised that Sunderland is the one that ended up getting it? Um, at the end of the day, no. And literally just because of the Big Sam effect. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Um, e- even even after Newcastle brought on uh, Rafa? I, I always felt Newcastle brought him in too late. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, I think if they had brought Rafa in... Six weeks earlier, which mm-hmm. they could have easily done. Yeah, considering he wasn't doing anything after, what, November? Uh, November, maybe even early December. I mean, so he was there. Um, I just think that Newcastle stuck with Steve McLaren way too long. They had themselves back against the wall. <clears throat> I mean, um, you know, I mean, people said when, you know, Rafa came, it, it, was, it was basically going to be, it was going to have to be a great escape. And... I just don't think he had enough time. Um, you know, really disappointing with the draw. As you say, you know, the draw to Aston Villa was really disappointing for him. Um, at the end of the day, I, I just I think if he had had five or six more games, I think he probably would have gotten them there. But uh, they just they left him too much to do too late in the season. And when one or two results didn't go their way, um, it, it ended up dooming them at the end of the day. So, yeah. what, what, you know, Newcastle uh, making bad personnel moves. Yeah, you know, it, you can all just really stem it back to last year sacking Alan Pardew um, after they were the first team to beat Chelsea on the, their way to their dominant campaign run. Um, just very disappointing how far Newcastle fell over the course of that time and and to see a, a team like that go down for their fans is is truly disheartening um which of course also makes this weekend's match pretty irrelevant um i wanted drama but i'm not going to get it but not, again congratulations not there we're not yeah congratulations <laughs> to sunderland on staying up for one more season i'm gonna get i'm just gonna keep picking them to get relegated one year i'll be right one I year think, uh, I think really going into this final weekend, the last, the last bit of drama is maybe, you know, can can City get shocked and lose and United win and get that Champions League spot? That's about all there really is left to play for. Well, there, there's a, there's a couple things. I mean, I mean, realistically, 
fourth, fifth, sixth, and potentially seventh place are all up for grabs. And if if United wins the FA Cup, that seventh place spot is is a Europa League spot. Yeah, that's very true. So uh, there uh, actually is quite a bit to play for. I believe Liverpool are a point out. Uh, seventh, yes. One or two points out of seventh. I can't remember. They're they're one. We'll uh we'll get to the table. I'm not really worried about that because, you know. They're one point back because of that amazing Benteke goal. Um, Big Ben. The two, the two of the biggest disappointments of the year scoring in the same match. Brilliant. Um, our final then match, Wes. You you mentioned it earlier. Um, speaking of City, tried to hold the door open for United to return to the Champions League, and then United said, "Oh no no no." After you, uh, with their defeat in the last match at Upton Park, it was West Ham three, Manchester United two. Winston Reed with a thumping header in the 79th minute for the win. Uh, Anthony Martial had a brace for United in this one, and the second one gave United a two-one lead. And United looked ready to pounce and take all three points. But West Ham packed him back just five minutes later, and then a couple minutes after that, the Reed goal to make it 3-2, sending people in claret and blue in a frenzy. Bottles were thrown pre-match. United was an hour late getting there, which is the second time they've been late to a match in London this season. Uh, They have also, it should be noted, given up three goals in each of those matches after giving up three to Tottenham and a 3-0 loss at White Hart Lane. Um, But Wes, you know, the the deplorableness of the, the West Ham fans gave way to a thrilling fixture, which may see Manchester United doomed to the Europa League. Really, it was the last match at um at Upton Park. I wouldn't have known listening to talk sport. I know it. I they, nobody publicized this. It was shocking. I mean, just wow, just out of nowhere. Oh God. Um, <laughs> we say that sarcastically, as literally every match at, at Upton Park this year was billed as the final time Tottenham come to Upton Park. Hey, it's the, the final, final Monday night game ever. The final time Crystal Palace come yeah. to. Upton Park. The first and final time Bournemouth come up. <laughs> I can't guarantee that, but you know, um, just as, as far as let's just start on West Ham talking about that. Um, they are, of course, moving to the Olympic Stadium next year. Mm-hmm. A little, little controversy with that, especially amongst uh, you Tottenhammers. Yeah, uh, we'll see in a we, couple years. Yeah, we won't get on that right now. But um, you know, it was the last match. Uh, Emotions were running high. Um, I mean, as far as the bottle throwing, that was—that's not really what—that's not what made United late for the match. It was no. the fact that, um, as I heard someone say today, their hotel was four miles from the ground, and they should have known that it was basically rush hour London traffic that it's they were the going through. Second time this has happened. I mean, what how the fuck? Not, it is hell. Well, I mean, if, if anyone's going to be late, obviously, I mean, it's going to be Louis Van Hall's Manchester United. I guess. Because, you know, that, that's they're, they're, they are what they are at this point. If someone's going to fuck it up, it's going to be them. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as for the match, you know, uh, West Ham got off to a really good start. They had a lead. Um, United... 
God, the youngsters. I tell you, that they got some good players at United. I hate it, but they do. They do. Um, those guys come back, they get the lead, and then it's almost like they took their foot off the pedal, and it all fell apart so quickly. Mm-hmm. So quickly. Um, and uh, a huge win for... Yeah, huge win, really, for West Ham, which still leaves them now with a chance to finish fifth. Mm-hmm. If, first, if everything falls into place. Yeah, first win in 15 against United at home for West Ham. Thrilling game. Slavin Bilic, you know, who had played at West Ham to coach the final match there, obviously very emotional for him. Uh, speaking of the Olympic Stadium, he's not very happy about that and doesn't think it's going to be very conducive to a good atmosphere. Oh well, that's the price for progress. Um, but price, West, uh, that's the price for uh, being able to buy thirty million dollar players. It's true. That's that's going to help you keep Dimitri Payet. Uh, is is this the match, West, that finally dooms Van All, or or is it all coming down to this weekend if he somehow miraculously squeaks into the Champions League, um, or 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 is this is this the nail in the coffin? I, I truly think that he's staying either way. Wow. Okay. Now, I'm not just saying that as in a hopeful way. Oh, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I really, for, from everything I'm hearing, um, there are a lot of people in the United decision-making offices who are really not sold on Mourinho. I believe that. Um, and it's not, it's not a... It's not a matter of results with Mourinho. Oh, of course not. Yeah, it's completely a matter of personality and the way that they are. They see that um, they believe he would represent the club. Yeah. Um, and you know, for all the for all the smack we talk about United, mainly because I'm a Liverpool fan. Um, United are a club that they have a long, proud tradition with their managers. Mm-hmm. Of their managers, like you know, acting just acting a certain way. And even though, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson, well, the thing is with Alex Ferguson, God, he was there nearly 30 years and he won everything you can win. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he got away with it after a while. But for Mourinho, who, I mean, as we've said, wherever Mourinho, it's, he's just like Balotelli. Wherever he goes, the circus is following. He's a storm. He's a storm. He is. He is. And I don't, from what it sounds like, I don't believe that United is going to be willing to, you know, at a time at that club where things are not going well, where there's so much in the up in the air, I don't think they're willing to just add this to the mix. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to tell you, I think there's a very good chance Mourinho could go there. If Mourinho goes there, it will be... And, and this is a guy I remember who managed Chelsea twice for Abramovich and Real Madrid. It will be the biggest. I think it will be the biggest appointment of his life. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, I, I, well, here's the deal with Real Madrid. Obviously, Madrid, probably the biggest club in the world. They're not in England. Yeah. Yeah. You deal with the English press every day. I mean, this, this has the makings. I mean, this is like, you know, the George Clooney movie, this is the perfect storm. Yeah. Because this is the perfect job in the perfect situation with the perfect manager to just be the biggest media storming blitzkrieg of all time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, to their credit, 
I don't think United decision makers are sitting there like, we really do. We really want to go down this road because we might get some immediate benefit from it. But you know, it's kind of like we say, where where are you going to be in three or four years? You know, I mean, you know, after Moyes, they wanted someone to come in and build something. And, you know, Van Hall, to his credit, you know, under boys, I think they finished seventh. <laughs> you yeah. know, to Van Hall's credit, he got them first year back in the Champions League. This year, at worst, probably he's going to finish fifth. It's not exactly what you wanted, but, you know, there there has been some progress. Mm-hmm. Yes, kind of. A little bit, well, maybe. I mean, they're be- well, hey, they're better now than they were under boys. Yeah. We'll say that. We'll say that for him, but um, I just I I, I don't think Mourinho is going to come in there. Ed Woodward, you know, it, I, I think Ed Woodward is a loyal guy. Mm-hmm. I just think um, Moyes got to a point it was so untenable. I don't think I don't think they're at that point yet with uh, with Van Hall that they were with Moyes. I think Van Hall is going to get another year. He's got one more year on his contract. Um, I think he's going to get another year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to finish next year. Yeah. But I think he's going to get, I think, uh, I think come August when the Premier League kicks off, Louis Van Hall is going to be the head man at Manchester United. I, everything you said makes perfect sense. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably what's going to happen. But you never know. I, no, no, that said, I, I would not be shocked to be completely wrong, and he's fired on right Monday. Well, yeah. well, they've still got the FA Cup final coming up. Yes, so th- they won't they won't do anything until after the FA Cup final. Um, but I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked to see him be gone, you know, after the final's over, even if he wins it. Yeah, I've just I've got a gut feeling that he's going to be back. We'll see how that works out for him. It. Hopefully, I've, I've, been, I've been I've been really right this year, and I've been really wrong. Lester in nineteen. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> we all we all make mistakes. Um, speaking of mistakes, here's your Sunday fixture list for Championship Sunday. <laughs> um, some of these matches matter, and some don't really. Uh, all at ten a.m. You get Arsenal versus Villa. Chelsea versus Leicester, Everton Norwich, Manchester United versus Bournemouth, Newcastle versus Tottenham, Southampton versus Crystal Palace, Stoke versus West Ham. That could actually be just a really good game anyway. Uh, Swansea versus Manchester City, Watford versus Sunderland, and West Brom versus Liverpool. And speaking of Liverpool, West, we would be remiss if we didn't do a Europa League recap. But just before we get that, we do want to take one last look before Championship Sunday at the Premier League table. And we'll let you so, see that uh, Leicester are, shockingly, still in first place. Uh, they are 10 points ahead of Tottenham, who have 70. Arsenal, two points behind. Uh, a draw or win by Tottenham would secure second place for them. Arsenal are almost locked into third place. They would have to lose, and City would have to beat Swansea for City to finish third. City right now are in fourth, again, three points behind Arsenal, two up on United, 
three up on West Ham with a much better goal differential. And then Southampton sits in seventh place, three points back United, two back of West Ham. Liverpool there in eighth place, uh, one point out of seventh and three points out of sixth. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, it's done, it's dusted. Sunderland, 38 points, that's the magic number. They're in 17th place and they're going to stay up. As we mentioned, Newcastle, Norwich, Aston Villa all going down. All right, West to the Europa League, where after some thrilling first legs, we got a couple kind of meh second legs. Uh, Sevilla. I them, thank you very much. <laughs> just saying, just saying, not not a lot of drama in the Europa League semifinals. Uh, uh, Liverpool hasn't given you much Europa drama, so please excuse. Them. It's true. What, what the hell are they thinking? Uh, Sevilla beats Shakhtar. 5-3 on aggregate, 3-1 in the second leg, and Liverpool beats Villarreal 3-1, 3-0 in the second leg, setting up uh, Liverpool-Sevilla final at St. Jacob's Park in Basel. Of course, uh, the head coach at Sevilla, a little miffed that the Spanish king will not be in attendance, uh, even as he will be in attendance for the All-Madrid Champions League final. He was not very happy about that, was Unai Emery. Uh, he had some some stern words for the king in Spain for that, talking about provinces and 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 geopolitical topics that we're not really going to discuss here. But Wes, we have it. We had the one you wanted. It's Sevilla versus Liverpool. Sevilla going for a third straight Europa League final on a Wednesday, and Liverpool trying to stop them and trying to break through and have the most. Uh, Europa League quote unquote titles in history. Um, break it down for us. Um, first and foremost, uh, <clears throat> I was actually a little off when I said that. <sighs> uh, now Liverpool winning, they would they would tie actually Sevilla. Okay. Sevilla has actually won it tw- won it two different times back to back. Um, I believe 06, 07, and now um, the last two years. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sevilla have four, Liverpool have three with a win. Liverpool would tie Sevilla for the most uh, Europa slash UEFA Cup titles ever. <clears throat> anyway, uh, where do I begin with uh, with this? Just so many little secondary stories. First of all, St. Jacob Park, Basel. Yes. Everyone is so pissed off about this, it's not funny, and I can't blame them. This is the second smallest venue to ever host, uh, I believe, a European final of any kind. Mm-hmm. This place holds under 40,000. Um, Liverpool were allotted, I believe, 8,000 tickets. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, the, the story came out that, you know, UEFA gave their standard, if you don't have a ticket, don't come. Yeah, after Klopp had said, hey, if you don't have a ticket, come on. <laughs> Party. It'll be awesome. Boom! <laughs> um, but I mean, you're basically eight thousand tickets for Liverpool. I mean, this is Liverpool who would easily, easily take twenty five, thirty thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the drop of a hat, would take twenty five, thirty thousand. Um, <clears> the I mean, if you remember the greatness that was Istanbul. I, I mean, so Liverpool fans there. It wasn't even funny. Um, but, but here's the thing: out of the thirty-eight thousand that this stadium holds, only fifty-five percent of the ticket allocation goes to the clubs. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. 
the other 45% are dignitaries and like freebies for like uh, people in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a freaking joke. But um, oh, and then also uh, apparently uh, Sevilla did not sell out their allotment of tickets. Ooh. Uh, I, I believe they had about a thousand left, and um, and then they're not even going to give those make those available to Liverpool. Why would they? Exactly. You know, well, I mean, we're really, we don't need, you know, good atmosphere in a final by any means. No, 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 no. But um, that has a lot of people kind of miffed. Um, just, you know, the fact that, why are you having this at such a small stadium? <laughs> it's the I Europa mean, League I, final. Premier League, I mean, half the Premier League have bigger stadiums. Yeah. But whatever. Um, you know, as far as this, once again, uh, starting last year, everything... It's this tournament has become much more important than truly it was two years ago. Oh yeah, um, <clears throat> because now you win, you're automatically in the Champions League. Not only that, you're automatically in. I believe you're automatically into the uh, into the group stage. Yes, group stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to go through a playoff. I mean, it's it's actually better than finishing fourth. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, Man City or United, they're going to have to go through playoff if or um, qualifying stages. Liverpool wins are directly in the group stage. Um, if they do win, it will be five English teams. Um, it's not a situation where, uh, you know, that unfortunately happened to... Uh, yeah. Or Tottenhammers. Yes. Chelsea did not did not finish in the top four, but won, uh, won the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And then that spot actually knocked out Tottenham. Yep. Um, that, that's not going to be the case. So if Liverpool wins, uh, there will be five English teams in the Champions League next year, which cannot do anything but help the coefficient. I would, I would think. Yay. Um. So we'll keep those four spots for the foreseeable future. Um. You know, I, I just I say this. Of course, I'm a fan. Liverpool kind of have the feeling of the team of destiny. A little bit. Yeah. Um. You know, if you look at it, they they had a much more brutal draw, you would say, than Sevilla. Uh, when three straight rounds and starting round of sixteen, quarterfinal, semifinal, you win. Uh, you know, Man United, Borussia Dortmund, Villarreal. Yeah. That's uh, that, that's kind of a sort of a murderer's row <laughs> when you look at it. Um, so. And especially the the big come from behind win over Dortmund, which still everyone's talking about. Uh, Liverpool took care of business against Villarreal. Villarreal went to Anfield looking for nil nil. Mm-hmm. I have no reason on earth to understand why they did that. Because this entire Champions League and Europa League season has seen baffling team decisions like this. This was definitely one of them. Um, <clears throat> You know, personally, if I'm Villarreal, I'm I'm going, and in the first 15 minutes, I want my away goal. Yeah. Because if you get that away goal, that changes everything, and then you are in control of everything. But they just sat back and just absorbed pressure and absorbed pressure, and finally Liverpool just overran them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, three goals on the night, probably could have been four or five easily. You know, I, we, I, I seem to say that a lot about Liverpool, but, uh, you know, the finishing isn't always there. But Klopp, 
Jurgen Klopp is totally getting it right when it comes to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then you turn around, you look at the league form over the last few weeks. <clears throat> um, I think he's done a good job of uh, rotating the squad. You know, you've seen a lot of young guys. Uh, if, if anyone had told me that Kevin Stewart would play 10 Premier League matches this year, <laughs> I probably literally would have said, Longest way, man, who the fuck's Kevin Stewart? <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Brannigan, what? Yay. Um, but, you know, I think we said it last week, it, it, at the end of the day, it might even be good for Liverpool because, you know, Klopp's getting that chance to see extended minutes. You know, do, do I think these guys can – do I think they can cut it in, in this league? So uh, maybe a blessing in disguise for Liverpool. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, next Wednesday. So, you know, when we record next week's pod – um, I will either be on the high on the mountain of love, or I will be completely down in the dumps next week. Oh, fantastic. I can't wait. I, <laughs> I, I still, the Wednesday is just such a weird day to have a final. And I'm going to tell you, it totally, 1,000% completely sucks for me. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, of all things, you, you of course know what I've got going on in my personal life starting next week. Yes. There's no way I can get out to watch that match. Yeah. I mean, literally, unless I am truly sick, not even playing in Cullen and sick, right? Really do that next Tuesday, next Wednesday. Um, I'm I'm gonna literally miss the Europa League final. That's that is so depressing. And I, you know, hopefully, and I've got to see what my setup will be. You know, hopefully, I'll have access maybe somewhere I can at least listen to talk sport. Yeah. Um. Or or well, talk sport won't run. I'll actually have to have to stream it through. Uh, Fox Sports, but uh, would Talk Sport not have a radio feed? No, actually, when it comes to the European matches, um, huh. they uh, they've got some kind of contract that um, when you try to listen to their feed in the United States, it sits there and says, um, you know, you cannot listen to this match outside of uh, Great Britain. Oh, great! So uh, yeah, yeah, you uh, you got to stream it on uh, FS FS Go. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, does that mean you're gonna have John Strong and Brad Friedel again? Uh, I'm hoping it's Friedel. Really? I don't. Re- I don't really enjoy Friedel. Well, 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 think about this. You know, in the last two rounds, um, you know, uh, first leg, we're stuck with Alexi Lawless. He's sitting there just talking about how crappy we are. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, we have negative results in both legs, and then we come back home, and there's the wondrous Brad Friedel, <laughs> former Liverpool keeper. And, uh, of course, first Dortmund and then Villarreal, we get the huge home wins. So I think every Liverpool fan in the world would much rather have Friedel than uh, Lawless. All right. Lawless is, you know, I'm not saying he's anti-Liverpool, don't get me wrong there. Alexi Lawless is just very negative overall. Alexi Lawless just likes to say shit. He, I think, I think A, he likes to troll. Yeah. He, Alexi Lawless totally, like... I think totally has this like self view that he was this amazing player. Mm. I mean, he, I, I just kind of get that from him that, you know, he was so great. And nobody knows how to do things as good as he does. You know I mean? He, he was a very kind of arrogant general manager when he was with Los Angeles. That is true. That didn't exactly work out for him. No, we did not. So, uh, you know, he's, he's not exactly God's gift to soccer. 
I think I think he's intelligent. I think he's very oh, poor. I think he's very poor as as a color commentator. I think he's good to almost great on on the uh, at, at the desk. Yes. Uh, I, I think he's very good there. I think we saw that a couple of years ago on ESPN for the World Cup coverage. Uh, we even saw it a little bit last year for the Women's World Cup coverage. Really? I, I think he's very good on the desk. I think he is he is very poor when it comes to actually providing color commentary. He's a very good pundit. Yes. He is not a great commentator. Yes, he has he has a lot of good insights. I feel like he tries he tries to bring that that level to being a color commentator whereas you and I can kind of get away with that because no one watches us. Um <laughs> we just say what the hell we want. Yeah, we 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 watch I I feel like we call games like we're just sitting on a couch watching it. Yeah. And just talking about what's going on, which mm-hmm. is fine. Again, when nobody's watching you, but when people are, and when you're getting paid a hefty sum to do it, which we certainly are not, we certainly are not. Um, I, I feel like you should be better. I, I and I expect more from Wallace as intelligent and as good as I think he is. I think he just comes up very short as a Clark commentator. I agree, and. Uh... And you know Brad Friedel is a is an American who's trying to sound his act, that that's the only thing I hate about Friedel. I think he's good. I think he's intelligent. I his accent just pisses me off. And and this literally coming from a human being who owns a Brad Friedel shirt. Yes, exactly. Who owns a Brad Friedel shirt? So obviously is a Brad Friedel fan. Yes, I'm a huge Brad Friedel fan. I just yeah, I he does kind of have that weird little accent going. Like and it's like not even like full on British. It's like seventy percent British. Like and it's like, bro, you're from Ohio. Yeah. Either, either, you're either. Ohio. Just <laughs> you. You've been away from the, you've been away from Tottenham now enough. You can let it go. Let it go, man. <laughs> oh, Queen Elsa. Oh, I love her. By the way, have you seen Zootopia? Uh, yeah, it's a Cali to see it on the weekend. It opened. I'll use it. I'll use it for my. Did I use it for my watch for a few weeks ago? I don't think I. No, did I? Well, I can't remember. Um, extremely kind of undercover, telling you a really strong message. Yeah, yeah, really, really strong really message strong. about accepting of people. Yes. I mean <laughs> animals. I mean animals. Well, which is, well, you asked Donald Trump, right? <laughs> it was really, really good in this. Uh, this. Uh, yeah, uh, atmosphere that we're currently. They launched that shit at like the perfect time. Yeah, they did. They they brought that very well. They did well on it. Also, very good performance from Jason Bateman in that movie. Bateman's great. Bateman's always great though. Well, almost always great. Arrested Development. <sighs> I'm still waiting on season six or season. five. Wait, which is is season five? We had three, four. Yeah, four was the last one on Netflix. Okay, so four. So we're waiting on season five. I'm yeah. waiting. Still waiting. Um, what we are also waiting on is uh, to see who's going to be playing at Wembley and not in the FA Cup. I'm talking about in a couple years. Uh, and right now it looks like it might be Tottenham for a year as the White Hart Lane renovations are set to kick off in about two years. Uh, part of their 400 million pound, 61,000 seat new arena. Uh, someone uh, is trying to uh, to kind of push for those talks. Greg yeah. Dyke. 
Europa League final. Better than Basel. Hey, hey, we could we could actually. I I think we actually have more than Basel now. To be perfectly honest with you, um, but as um, as Greg so- Dyke who is part of the uh, the process has confirmed uh, there are discussions with Tottenham that they should come in for a full season when they're building their new stadium, and they're a long way down the path on reaching an agreement. Um, I think there's some discussions about whether they will play Champions League games at Wembley next year, but he doesn't know much about that, and I kind of doubt that will happen. But 17-18 uh, looks like it could be pretty much a dumb deal. Chelsea, of course, is also looking to kind of get in on that. Um but it doesn't doesn't look like it would happen maybe necessarily the same season. Uh, however, uh, it, it could be good for a year. You know, of course, uh, we mentioned earlier West, West Ham going to the Olympic Stadium for a season. I I don't mind Spurs going to Wembley for a year, if it's especially for the reason that, you know, to get this new big-ass stadium. I, I, I could be okay with that. They'll get to play there. They'll throw another parade anyway not bitter at all uh speaking of tottenham though and and liverpool and another story wes that there's talk that we may have the first a foreign affair podcast transfer are you speaking of adam lalama i am speaking of adam lalana reports are coming out it could be a 20 million pound summer reunion between lalana <laughs> and his former southampton coach uh, Maurizio pochettino uh, pochettino tried to bring him from southampton two years ago when he moved over to spurs uh, instead lalana ended up heading to liverpool but after two years uh, he may be open to rejoining his old coach at Tottenham. Um, Wes, we, we know Lallana has, has been very injury-prone at, at Liverpool, has never gotten a full run of matches, you know, at, at times there. Um, what what are your thoughts on potentially losing Lallana? Well, I'll tell you, you know, um, as you say that, probably his best run has been the last few months. That's true. I mean, he's... Jacking that price up. He's he's definitely been he's definitely playing the best that he's played for Liverpool the past few months. Uh, Klopp talks about he loves the guy, and we have seen him finally hitting some of those Southampton peaks here under Klopp. Um, you know, as far as losing Lalana, I'm okay with it. If that means that Liverpool are going out and maybe getting Mario Götze. Yeah. Um, that said, I mean, I would love to get Götze and keep Lallana. Of course. <laughs> I mean, I think Lallana could be a, a fantastic, maybe not automatic starting 11, but, you know, he could be a fantastic little maybe higher than a squad player for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um that's it you know the chance to go back with Pochettino I mean that's that's interesting um but that said it's May it's Premier League rumors transfer rumors um believe them <laughs> you know yeah as, as as I see a lot of people put uh, I believe it when it's on Sky Sports yeah that's true um and, and I will throw out one great line that I saw somebody somebody write they said, uh, well, I guess Spurs have finally graduated from uh, plucking our transfer targets to just plucking our players. 
hey, you know, I mean, it worked with Deli Ali. I just what, really worked with Clint Dempsey, right? A little bit. Hey, he did win us that United match that one time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's that's the main one that gets brought up. So. Yes, because we love it. I love I love beating United. It's fun. Um, hey, but if I mean, if, I guess if you sell him, sell sell Benteke, you could probably get Royce uh, Royce and Gutsa. So. Well, I mean, you also got to figure Liverpool are going to have a nice war chest anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, I I think there's still a good chance we get Gutsa as it is. Um, There there are definitely places Liverpool still need to strengthen, even though it's ended up being a great European run here. Still definitely places that Liverpool need to to improve. So... uh, if Lalana has to go to help facilitate some things, so be it. All right. I, I would love him just, just as having another midfielder. I mean, if we could put, you know, Lalana and Ollie and Erickson, I think that'd be a very good midfield. And then, you know, have, being able to have a little, so a little bit of cover then for Dyer if we want to switch him back. Uh, we could always drop Ali a little lower, back into more of a defensive midfield role with Dembele, put Dyer... Um, you know, Lalana is more of a play up top midfielder. He's he's an attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're not really going to ask him to play too much around the center of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think you know you put him out there with uh, you know with Erickson and Lamella and with Kane going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Ali right behind them. You, oh man, right. that, that could be a very, very scary midfield. Well, that's that's what I was thinking. If you have those guys up there, then you have the option to yeah. drop Ali back, pair him with Dembele, move Dyer back, and that gives you then a chance to rest either uh, Aldevarelde or Vertonghen for a match as well uh, with Dyer shifting back or just, hell, giving Dyer a rest. I mean, the kid played almost every match this year that he wasn't suspended for, so... <laughs> That it wasn't Ray Carter suspended for. He played. Yeah, because I think I th- I actually think the only match he missed was was the the suspension for yellow card accumulation um, early in the season. I I think that's the only one he missed. I thought he had a red card somewhere in there. I'm No, actually, I don't. Uh, I don't think we've had a guy get red carded this year. Okay. So I, which is kind of amazing because I actually think we had somebody red carded on the very first match last year. Yeah, um, guys could probably qualify for Europa uh, under the good, uh, the good conduct. Well, I don't know if, I don't know if it's or that. The, uh, was it the fair play? Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. We love fair play around here. Um, let me see. Yeah. Zero red cards, 79 yellows, but zero reds. Um, so yeah. And, and he had the, the one suspension for that. I mean, obviously, you could argue that Ali and Dembele have earned reds, pr- uh, retroactively speaking. Yeah, but you know, but they're not they're not official, so it doesn't matter. No, zero zero red cards in the books. Uh, Ali led the way overall with twelve. Lamella and Dyer both had nine in all competitions, and uh, Danny had seven. Um, so hooray! Anyway, back to uh, speaking of of people Eric Dyer beat up. Uh, the latest news on John Terry is 
that he may be heading to China. Maybe he'll join Yaya Tori over there. Uh, could be going over for about a 12 million pound per year deal. Uh, there's news come out that uh, Chelsea's board look like they're going to be meeting with him by the end of the week to tell them that your career is over here at Stamford Bridge, um, which is a great way to leak that out for one of your longtime captains and one of the hearts of your defense. Just well done, Chelsea. Well done. As much as we like to make fun of John Terry, just that's, this has kind of been a very ignominious, if I'm pronouncing the word correctly, end to what has been a very good career here at Chelsea, which as we've seen with Frank Lampard and others, Wes, is kind of actually becoming the norm for them. 21 years. Well, here's the thing. You're, you're not, you know, Lampard, uh, not Lampard, Terry and Gerard and Carragher, they're the last yep. of the dying out generation of one club guys. Uh-huh. You know, in baseball, I mean, the last great one club guys I can really think of were like Ripken and Tony Gwynn. Uh, Jeter. Yeah, Jeter too. Excuse me, G- Jeter kind of the. Outlier. I am loath to call Derek Jeter great, but he's well, probably well, one. You know, Chipper Jones, baby. Yeah, but you know that group, you know, that that's done in that sport, just about right. Uh, I, I mean, mean, I guess the the closest one maybe we could start thinking about is Pedroia, maybe. Yeah, but that's as much as I love Pedroia. I don't call him like an all time. No, all-time. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um. Terry, as much as as much as people you know, uh, you know, dislike John Terry, he is in the Premier League era. He's an all timer. Yes, I mean most goals ever from a defensive player over seven hundred appearances for Chelsea. I mean he's going down as one of the greatest Chelsea players ever. Uh, Stevie G, we know what that is. Carragher, we know what that is at Liverpool. Um, those guys are. They're dime breed. You're not going to see that anymore. So seeing John Terry, however we saw him, however we remember John Terry, you, you kind of saw something special. Spent 21 years at Chelsea. Amazing. If uh, a couple things on him. One, if he goes to China, 12 million pounds, folks, you're talking about about $17.5 million American. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who can't hardly get a game at Chelsea. And you're going to pay him 17 17- Buddy, I'll pat my bags for China right now. <laughs> you know what I think about going to China. I made that clear. That kind of see, there's the thing. For John Terry, that is that's a no-brainer. For a guy in his prime, I still have a problem with it. But for John Terry, that's a no-brainer. That's your damn retirement policy. Yeah. Just go play China for a year. You never ever even though I'm sure John Terry didn't have to worry about money anyway. Mm-hmm. Now you certainly never have to worry about money again. Um Second thing, and I heard this tonight on Talk Sport. And I almost, I almost want to take this with a grain of salt, but um, apparently John and they reported this as being fact. They said that John Terry has actually rented out Stamford Bridge on Monday um, to have a private match and then to have a barbecue down on the field. Uh, I can look that up right now to verify that. I mean, how great does that sound? That actually sounds pretty great. <laughs> Um, but I don't know if they're just trolling him or what. You know, troll John Terry. Who would ever want to do a thing like that? Um, but, you know, for JT, we've had a lot of laughs over the years. He's had a lot of uh, people's lives over the years. Um, but, you know, 
Say goodbye, folks. That might be the last great um, one club player that you'll ever see. Um, yeah, I actually think that story is true. That's awesome. Uh, I'm I'm looking at it on the uh, the Telegraph right now. And uh, it says John Terry hires Stanford Bridge to stage his own Chelsea farewell game after suspension rules him out of Premier League closer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. You don't tell me when my career ends. I say when my career ends. Oh man! But what? I mean, how's how uh, how's that going to be when he has he has a meeting with him this weekend? Yeah, you're out of here. Yeah, well, I got this bitch booked on Monday, so I ain't out of here yet. <laughs> already paid my deposit oh that's that's fantastic yeah and it says together with being able to play on the pitch the stanford bridge package that terry has taken up for his big goodbye includes dressing rooms match officials use of the dugouts access to stadium screens and public address the system and a barbecue i truly would hope that john terry wouldn't have to like actually go into his pocket to rent the stadium well no it says here it says here stanford bridge usually costs twenty two thousand pounds to hire but terry will have it for free Okay, okay, good. I was gonna say, I mean, you know, twenty-one years. Give the guy, give the guy a freebie. <laughs> oh, does does Josie come back to coach the team in the match? Yeah, I'm interested to see who plays. I mean, don't forget, you know, the first team plays on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys just sit around and they say, "Hey, we're gonna play John's game." Of course, I'm quite sure. Well, I don't know. You know, John Terry might be in there trying to break a leg one more time. So. Oh, why not? Hey, hey, maybe we'll bring back Lampard. He's not doing anything. He's certainly not playing at NYCFC right now. Just aim for Oscar. <sighs> poor Oscar. Oscar. Oh, poor Oscar. We, we do need to serious up now here for a minute because uh, this is a, a, a sad and serious story. Um, happened about a week ago. A uh, Patrick Ecking, a Cameroonian international player, actually collapsed and died in a match on Friday between Dinamo Bucharest and Vitorul Constanta um, in the Romanian capital of Bucharest on uh, this past Friday. Uh, he collapsed on the field during the match and then uh, was rushed to the hospital and declared dead. Um, he actually had played in the Premier League at one point for Manchester City. Um, he, of course, also played for Cameroon, as we mentioned. Um, just... You don't think too many times of something like this happening, Wes. Uh, but when it does, it's I don't I don't know if it's really a wake up call because he just he just collapsed. But it's just it's it's shocking, and I think just bears a little bit of self reflection, mostly by players. Well, you know, we get a story like this in the United States once or twice a year. Uh, a lot of the time, either on a football or a basketball a football field or a basketball court. Yeah. Um, you know, about five to ten years ago, if something like that happened. Immediately, they'd be looking into practice uh, measures. You know, what what was going on in practice? You know, where they get water breaks, mm. all this good stuff. A lot of that has a lot because of a lot of those situations. Um, you know, those um, fail safes have been put into place mm. to you know make sure that you're not. I guess, quote, killing your players during practices yeah. or games. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I haven't heard the final result on it. To me, it sounds like the guy probably has a bad ticker. Yeah. 
you know, uh, probably has a bad heart somewhere. And sometimes, sometimes you can come across those in a regular physical, but you know, that's, that's a reason that, um, a lot of the, the clubs, you know, you always hear the word pending physical mm-hmm. and 99.9% of the time, you're not going to have any problem. Everything's fine. Um, but these are things that can come up in those physicals mm-hmm. or, you know, um, uh, heart murmur, heart defect, things like that. Um, and it, I, you know, I'm not going to say that the club didn't do their due diligence on him. Um, because sometimes that stuff can be there and it just, unless you're actively looking for a certain thing, you don't see it medically. Right. So, I mean, it, it to me, it doesn't sound like, um, it doesn't sound like the club did anything wrong. It doesn't sound like the player did anything wrong. Yeah. It's just sometimes at the end of the day, it's just, there's, there's just a tragedy and that's what this is. It's yeah. Not- as mentioned in the article, uh, there was actually another Cameroonian player who died in 2003 in similar circumstances in a Confederations Cup semifinal in France. That was Marc Vivien Faux, um, who, who also collapsed on the pitch and passed away. So, unfortunately, very, very sad for Patrick Ecking and his family and his supporters uh, at Dynamo Bucharest. Um, just, just really sad. So... And, and speaking, now we transition from the, the sad to the disgusting. Um, we talked a lot about the City-Arsenal match, West, And now it has come out, you know, right, what I describe as part of a banner week for the Premier League. It's come out that a Manchester City fan punched a 12-year-old Arsenal supporter after the match. Um, <laughs> apparently, uh, there, there are pictures of it. You know, the City, the, the club have try to do everything they can to to make it up to the young man um the some of manchester city's fans have started a gofundme page to raise money to to help the kid and give him a vip package to come back to the to the uh the etihad when arsenal play their next season um just I know, I know. You know, there's that whole hooliganism thing and all that crap, and we saw it from West Ham again on vivid display against the Manchester United bus. Um, but I mean, just shit, punching a kid. I mean, have we really sunk that low? Um, okay, Here, here's here's my here's my hot take on this. Oh God. Uh, now remember, it. I think I, I come from a little different viewpoint than you. Because I have uh, spent multiple years uh, dealing with uh, that age group, yeah. 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. I've dealt with them. Um, I'm not going to say I haven't thought about punching a kid before. <laughs> um, you know, especially coaching baseball, you know, heat of the moment. Um, you will get kids that will uh, – you know, now, now, here's the thing. Most kids, my kid's not doing this. Because I'm gonna beat the hell out of him when he comes home if he does. Um, but there are kids who will uh, will back talk, will run their mouth, um, and you will, in the heat of the moment, be like, "Oh my god, I want to backhand this kid." <laughs> if it was mine, I'd backhand him. He's not mine though. Um, here's the thing, and obviously there is no excuse for a grown man to punch a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now I'm—I don't know. You and I may differ in this opinion. Um, my my 11-year-old son 
Um, has received a backhand once or twice. Okay. Um, usually in every time he has deserved it. Um, once it, that's my son. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I have never backhanded anyone else's kid. Let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> no also, also, did you did your backhanding of your son leave him with a bloody nose dripping into his mouth? That it did not. Well, then, not. then that is also a difference than what happened exactly, here. Exactly, exactly. Um, now, now, here's my thing. You know, and public relations is making this. Oh, we want to make this up to the kid. We want to make this up to the kid. My big question at the end of the day. Is you know what I want to know exactly what led to this kid getting punched in the face, because uh, don't forget our, uh, our I believe our PFA Player of the Year, everyone's uh, everyone's favorite Englishman, Jamie Vardy, oh, God. is famous for uttering the phrase "chat shit get banged." That's not coming back on anyone this year, is it? <laughs> I'm glad nobody <laughs> felt like we should really put this guy up on a pedestal. I just um. I, I would like to know, just for my own curiosity here, because once again, it doesn't change the fact that you can't punch a fucking kid. I want to know what led to that kid getting punched. Well, if I may read from the article here. According to the report, the 12-year-old spoke to a group of city supporters after the match, stating he said a draw was a fair result. One of the men is then thought to have punched him in the face in an unprovoked attack. <laughs> I don't know, it was a fair result. Fuck you, bam. Uh, you know, it's it's always told one way. Now that might have happened, and it just might be the biggest trashiest city fan of all time who did this. In which case, I kind of sound like a dick. But at the same time, I, I just find it hard that to that you know this kid didn't. Not once again, not that he deserved to get punched. I just find it hard that maybe he didn't say a little something that might have got some city fans fired up. All right. I just find that hard to believe. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. I, I kind of feel like this is maybe a slightly sanitized report. Um, I, I don't, I doubt we'll ever know the full story because no matter what, when, when a, a supporter of your club gives a, a supporter of another club a bloody nose, uh, the, the, the club is going to do everything they can to not turn it into a public relations nightmare. So I doubt very much we're ever going to hear the entire what was said. Um, but still, just, just, dude, literally be the bigger man and just fucking walk away. Being grown up. Yeah. This, at the end of the day, it's a kid. Kids say and do stupid shit. Mm. And, you know, and, and at that point, once again, you, you're an adult. Yeah. Like an adult. Just just stupid. Just. I mean, I mean if, if let's just say if you and I, let's just say you and I, we're, we're planning to be at the Rocky Mount game. Yes. On Saturday evening. Um, let's just say 12-year-old Triton fan, if, if Triton defeats Rocky Mount, um, if a Triton fan says something to me on the way out, ha, 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 we beat you, I, I, I don't think I'm going to try to fight the 12-year-old for talking shit to me. Yeah, I would hope not. I, I'll just leave him and say, okay, good job, buddy. Have fun <laughs> with that. <laughs> I mean... Because I'm, I'm an adult. Yes, you're also very strong. So I feel like if you punch this kid, it would be lights out. 
Yes, it wouldn't just be a bloody nose. It would be an internal hemorrhage. Uh, spe- All I can say, he better not say shit about my James Milner. Uh, speaking of hemorrhaging, the World Cup is looking to expand Wes Bradshaw. New president Gianni Infantino plans to expand the World Cup to 40 teams by 2026 in October of this year in a FIFA Congress. Like, does Jim Beheim talk to this guy? I this is just let everybody in. I I I hate this quote at the bottom. Uh, Speaking in March, a month after his election, Infantino said. Quote, we must open the final up to more teams. The idea would be from 2026, we're going to talk about this with everyone. Not only do you give lots of teams the possibility of taking part, but also to many of dreaming of a place in the finals. You, too, can be the Leicester City of the World Cup. No. 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 At the end of the day, there's still only going to be five or six teams that can win the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to at least hear the proposal of how they want to do this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're you're watering down your product. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's always there's always that one match in every group where you're like, mm-hmm. ain't no damn way I'm watching this. You know, it's usually not not to not to be a jerk. You know, Iran and the Faroe Islands. Mm-hmm. I'm not watching that match. Yeah. You know, I'm already not watching that one. You know, why are you going to give me then like? Um, later, you're going to give me Iran versus Macedonia. Yeah. By the way, Faroe Islands and Macedonia. Well, I mean, I guess those would be the teams who would be excited about this. So. Yeah, I just I I don't understand. I, well, no, I do understand. It's money. It's it's more teams. It's more matches. It's more it's more money. Obviously. It's more advertising money because you're saying, oh well, now we've got even more. We've got even more matches and more eyes on the TV because now. You know, Macedonia is going to make it, and everyone in Macedonia is going to want to watch it. Oddly enough, I think it actually kind of worked for Euros. Uh, at least, at least as far as qualification went, I think I think it helped the qualification process. It didn't help the Dutch apparently, but it, it helped other. Uh, it, it helped other teams. Um, I, I don't see that same kind of thing happening for the World Cup, though. I just I don't. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing: you could. You know, every year in World Cup qualifying, there's always one or two teams that you're like, oh, man. You know, I mean, I believe last time it was um, Sweden, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you could also go back to, I believe, 2010 when uh, Thierry Henry's handball kept Ireland out of the, yeah, uh, the World the Cup. Third Ireland team. I mean, um, you know, World Cup 94, uh, England didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there. yes, there are the occasional, you know, big-time power teams who, you know, get left out. But you know what I mean? At the end of the day, I just I just feel you need to deserve getting there. Here's, here's mean, what I'll say. Here's I mean, what I'll say. Not, there's already one team who gets in, you know, just because they're the host. Um, and, I mean, like South Africa, they were shit. Yeah. There's already one getting in. I mean, it's just, I, I think it should be, you know, it's the elite. Here's it's what I'll say the, then. If you're, if you're going to add eight more bids, give them all to UEFA. There's my hot take of the day. I don't know because you know I think you can always argue maybe another South American team. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so so what? Seven UEFA one. Yeah, one, one Conmebol. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, who? 
I mean, Sweden. Okay, we would have loved to have seen Sweden in for the Zlatan effect. That's yes. it. But you know what? No matter how great Zlatan was, Sweden won't win in the tournament. No. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of... To me, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament. You know, I, I referenced Jim Beheim earlier because, you know, Jim Beheim has said some stupid shit about just let everyone in the tournament. Yeah. Then why the hell does anything matter? Nothing Your regular matters. season already is kind of a joke in college basketball. Why the hell would it matter then? You're making it matter even less. Um, I mean, what, what good, you know... One of the fun things about the World Cup is qualifying. I mean, you get some really interesting qualifying stories. You know, you get some good storylines in qualifying. I mean, yeah, sometimes somebody gets left out, but that's that's a them problem. Yeah. Because they didn't go – they didn't do what they needed to do to qualify. I mean, if you're just going to let everyone in, let's just have a damn two-month tournament and just let every, every FIFA – let every organization in FIFA in – and, you know, Germany can play the Faroe Islands. And and it'll be horrible, and you'll see 11, 12 nothing matches at the World Cup. Yeah, it's this is stupid. And, uh, um, I mean, really, to, I mean, to me, has uh, has adding four NCAA tournament teams, has that, has that made the tournament any damn better? Uh, VCU would argue yes. Uh, literally no one else would, I think. I mean, you know, it gives you, it gives you a few more games, and it gives the NCAA two nights of advertising. Yeah, I mean, that's all it's done is just it gives them more. So, I think it's stupid. I think, you know, here's here's another one of my life axioms: you know, don't fix what ain't broke. Yeah, I mean, you literally have like the most popular tournament in the world, and it's perfect right now. It's perfect. Don't fuck with it. Yeah. Don't fuck with it. I mean, it's it's like the Champions League. You know, they've got them right now. There's not much in the, you know, hey, the little wrinkle, the Euro thing, or the Europa League thing, that was actually kind of a cool little wrinkle. Okay, we'll throw that in there. That's not majorly changing the tournament. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, right now, you don't need to change the tournament. You don't need to let more teams in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I would say it's perfect. Don't fuck with what's not fucked up. What's not fucked up. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. I have nothing to add to that. And with that, we will advance to our other big story of the week, that's which is... Banged. Yeah. Um, Brazil, with everything going on there, uh, their, their president is probably going to get impeached or not. Who knows? There was literally a guy who yesterday who who said he was going to impeach President Rousseff, uh, then took his impeachment back, then had another guy tell him, no, you can't do that, and then said, yeah, okay, you're right, I guess I'll leave my impeachment paper in. Um, One of the big things that is coming up now with them as well is the 2016 Olympics. And, of course, the Zika virus has become a big thing. Uh, Hope Solo has said at one point, no, I will not go down there. Now she has said today, I will go, but... I may never leave my hotel room. Alex Morgan said, yeah, I trust the IOC, but dot, dot, dot. Uh, and now one of Brazil's legends, Rivaldo, has come out and said, quote, things are getting uglier here every day. I advise everyone with plans to visit Brazil for the Olympics in Rio to stay home. You'll be putting your life at risk here. 
which Wes, I'm sure, is exactly what the IOC wants to hear. Um, but I will tell you from, from the political situation to the violence that kind of happens to the virus that, that is down there. And, and, and as we know, one of those people, one of the four people who listens to this podcast, my mom, who is actually currently in Brazil right now and is from Brazil, I believe she would agree wholeheartedly with everything Rivaldo said. But that's obviously not something the IOC wants to hear. Well, God, no, because, I mean, the, the great thing about hosting the Olympics, you know, you want to host the Olympics to get the economic boost. You know, you want the people in there, you want the hotels filled, you want the, you know, you want the money pumped back into the local economy. That's why you do this. You know, that's why that's why you do anything. That's why you host the Super Bowl. That's why you host the Final Four. You know, that's why, you know, Raleigh hosts the first two rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. You want people coming in, you want to put that money back in. So, yeah, the last thing they want to hear is, hey, tell you what, hey, it'll just be on TV. Just stay home. Don't go. <laughs> um... <clears throat> I find it interesting, you know, you and I had this little back and forth earlier today because I think I saw that story and sent it to you. Yes. About Rivaldo saying it. You said, well, that basically, uh, you know, that's what uh, Morgan and Solo said. And I said, to me, I think Rivaldo saying it carries more weight worldwide. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, this is a guy, I mean, this is, you know, it's one thing for me to say, you know, ugh. I wouldn't go to Detroit because, you know, uh, Detroit's got crime and I'll get shot if I go to Detroit. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Detroit. I have no ties to Detroit. You know, for, for Hope Solo and, um, you know, Alex Morgan, who I love them both, don't get me wrong. You know, for them, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, I wouldn't go to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Rivaldo is like the guy who is like the former mayor of Detroit or something. And is like, Oh God, yeah, don't go to Detroit. That place sucks. And actually in this article, Rivaldo wasn't even citing the Zika virus. He was actually citing uh, a 17 year old who was murdered in a shootout this past weekend. And, um, in the, uh, Oh, what's the word they use down there? The favela, the favelas. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, the, the violent crime is on an uptick down there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of that stems from the political uh, landscape right now down in Brazil. It's just it's a it's a nation right now that has a lot of problems. Yeah, and, and that's not even that's not even going on about the national team. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, when when a guy who would almost be seen as maybe one of your spokesmen mm-hmm. for hey come to come to Rio, you know it'll be great Olympic games. For him to come out publicly and be like, "Ugh, yeah, don't go." Just if you were planning to go, you know, turn in your plane tickets, cancel your hotel reservations, just stay the hell home. To me, that really hits home more than two athletes ten thousand miles away saying it. No, certainly, I, I think that 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 is actually huge uh, for him to say that, and and the studies have of course shown that. The Olympics don't really make a lot of money. In fact, most Olympics lose the places that host them money. Mm-hmm. And, and and for Rio, for as much money as they spent, as much money as Brazil has spent on the World Cup and now on the Olympics, this double whammy complete with everything that's going on in their government right now, I think is, is threatening to really rip this country apart. And I think that that's what Rivaldo is kind of getting at here. Um and it's a shame because Brazil was kind of on an uptick 
for a while. They they are they were very much not in a bad way, but they were a third world country. And then technology slowly started making its way down there. They started having more more technology companies moving down there. Um, my uncle, uh, full disclosure, actually works for Oracle. So you know they're they're in the city of Sao Paulo. Uh, is is very technologically heavy. Does he know about the dogs? Oh, we love those Sao Paulo dogs. Um, but I, I it's it's disheartening to see how how Brazil has fallen back in such a short period of time, thanks mostly to their political culture. Now I guess Wes, you know, with with what Rivaldo has said, should should the U.S contingent that is coming over especially for for soccer since that is one of our big sports in the summer olympics should it be up to each player to be like yeah i i don't know if i actually want to go like yes playing for my country is is an honor and a privilege and i would absolutely love to go win a gold medal for the united states but i also like being alive well i mean well, now the olympics to me has always been you know, hey, it's optional. You know, I mean, to be an Olympic athlete, I mean, you you make the decision. I want to be an Olympic athlete, and then you work to qualify for it. Um, I mean, I guess the same would hold true for being a member of the national team. You know, now, now don't forget this: you there's a very good chance you're going to face blowback and repercussions from it. Well, and there was also the uh, the whole lawsuit that's kind of hanging over them, and whether they would still go exactly. for U.S. soccer or not. Exactly. Um, but I mean, I would. I just feel, you know, the Olympics. I feel, you know, you've always got the option to say no to turn to turn in your chance. You know, that said, the Olympics, and <clears throat> you know, it's been such that it's been the story for all time for the Olympics. It's once every four years. It's basically for. For most athletes, it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, sometimes you know you get your Michael Phelps of the world, where you might go to three or four of them. Um, but you know, for most people, it's one time, one chance only. So you know, if uh, if you decide you want to give up that chance, then I mean, to me, that's your choice. Well, but, so you, but, it, but especially someone like the the women's national soccer team or. You know, maybe the men's basketball team, women's basketball team. Just remember now, if you make the choice that you don't want to go, you know, don't get, don't then turn around and be like, well, wait a minute, you know, why aren't you picking me three months later? Well, you know, you you dropped out when you had the chance to go last time. So, so then, what about what if what if Alex Morgan next Tuesday said, you know what, I uh, I'm gonna skip the Olympics. Don't Jill Ellis, if if that is who is coaching, I, I apologize for not knowing that. Uh, it's the women's national team playing down there. Isn't it? I I would assume so. Yeah. Um. I I guess I guess the women is more traditional than the men having to stick with mostly under twenty threes. Yeah. So, so so she goes to Jill Ellis and says, "Yeah, just just leave me off the roster. I I really think it'd be better for me if I don't go to Brazil." How would you feel about that, and how and how should Jill Ellis feel about that? Um, I mean, as a fan, I'd be really disappointed not to have Alex Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, personally, to me, that's how I feel. I, I'm just, I'd be disappointed. Obviously, now, now for Jill Ellis, it's a little more than even disappointment. It's like you know, wait a minute, because the way I see it, you know, you're fucking with my job now. Okay, that's you fair. Know, now, now that said. 
if one U.S. player says they're not going, the United States themselves, just that one organization, they should be able to handle missing a player. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it's um, you know, if it's a, a different country, like just say England, for example, and you know, maybe England's best player says I'm not going, that could cause that whole England team to fall apart. Right. You know, I mean, Alex Morgan. Hey, we saw in the World Cup. You know, if Alex Morgan ain't playing, okay, we still got options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, you know, and that that is one thing. I mean, you know, for Jill Ellis, you know, the women's national team. That's her. I mean, that's her bread and butter. That's where her paycheck comes every two weeks. I guess I don't know her. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that that's that's food on the table for her and her family. So, uh, you know, I'd be. I'd be beyond disappointed. I'd be pretty fucking pissed. But that said, I mean, here's my deal too. You're not going to change it at this point. I mean, sorry, we're not canceling the Olympics in May or June Mm -hmm. when the Olympics are supposed to start in what, July, August? August 5th, yes. I mean, they're not getting canceled. You can't move them. I mean, it's, it's like, okay, right now, okay, hey, you know, if I'm Jill Ellis, if I, if I feel that, I'm going to have some dissension here. I'm calling a team meeting. I'm like, ladies, I'm giving you all 24 hours. I need an answer in 24 hours. Are you on the plane or not? Okay. And if you're not, please let me know. Thank you for your, thank you for what you've done. Um, you know, not, not saying you won't be selected in the future, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going with who's, we're going with who wants to be here. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can do, take that kind of viewpoint when we're talking about people going into a situation like this. Um, maybe it's not as strong in 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 women's soccer, but I mean, if you if you're the whoever the U.S. swimming coach is, you know, we've heard terrible stories about how those pools down there are are just tainted, like not even with the Zika virus, just tainted with sludge and just they're terrible you know if, if you're the men's national coach and one of you know michael phelps or someone else comes up to you and says look i i don't trust them you know alex morgan didn't go that far but i'm sure other people would be like look i don't trust the ioc to keep me safe i'm sorry i would love to represent my country but i have to think about my health first and foremost and that's not a good place for me to do that so I, I, with all due respect, I have to drop out with if those conditions are not going to approve. I, I think, I think this is the one situation where, as a coach, you have to be kind of like, well, it's the one thing that should come before the team is your own health and well-being. And if you don't feel safe, then okay, then that's fine. Well, yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, you say, I mean, it's your choice. But, I mean, also, you, you've got to be prepared because, you know, people, I mean, you know how people are. People aren't all level-headed by any means. They're well, yeah. They're all West Ham fans and Man City fans who punch 12-year-olds. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, somebody's going to look at it and say, you know, this guy's an idiot. He blew his chance because, you know, you think about, once again, you know, the Olympics, swimming especially, you know, this is where, you know, if, if you win a gold medal, you're kind of set up for life. Sort of, yeah. That's the thing. You know, you, you're getting, because you're making appearances for the rest of your life as a gold medalist. You're, you're gold medalist, Edward Green. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it doesn't matter if you want it in a, you know, as a member of the men's basketball team, or if you won the gold medal in um, some sport that no one even knows exists. You gold medalist, Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner, yes. America's greatest male athlete, Caitlyn Jenner. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I, I don't, I think if you see anyone pull out of these Olympics because of something like that, it's not going to be the people that we haven't heard of. It's going to be some big name people. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Because, you know, you know it's going to be LeBron James. Yeah. Or Alex Morgan. Because, you know, these are people who have already, they, they have a brand. They have a brand that's not really going to change based on the Olympics. It's not worth the risk. For them, it might not be worth a risk. Right. Now, I'm, if I'm Ed Green, you know, um, and I run the 200 meters. Oh, I wish. You know, oh, yeah. oh, you could run 200 meters. It just might take you a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if I'm Ed Green and I'm running the 200 meters and, you know, this is my chance to do something by yeah. one chance, I, I, I can't sit there and say, well, hell, you know what? I might have the flu when I come back. It's it's like, well, if I come back with a damn gold medal, fucking hey, the flu rocks. I don't care at that point. So it's, um, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's going to be interesting to see if you see any of the big names pull out because I just, I think if anyone does it, it's going to be some big name people. I, I, think, I think we could see a few small names pull out. Of course, we won't really hear about those, but I, I, I think we could see one or two big names just say, and and judging by their comments the, these past couple of days, I don't think it's going to be Alex Morgan. Um, I think that'd be sort of an about face from what she's said the past couple of days if she if she ended up pulling out. Um, and I don't know that any basketball players will, but I, I could see a couple big names quote unquote pulling out before this is all said and done here on and, and we get to August fifth. Well, and just just on the basketball players in. You know, don't forget this. Um, you know, we'll just, we'll just keep using LeBron as our example. LeBron James isn't sleeping in the Olympic Village. Yeah. You know, LeBron James is not hanging out in the Olympic Village. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the basketball team, especially those guys, are staying in a five star hotel somewhere. Or I want to say, like, what what was it when they went to Greece or something? They actually stayed on like a luxury cruise ship. I think so. Yeah. Um. So you know, those guys. Yeah. So you know, here's LeBron James. If if I don't want to go outside other than to walk to the team bus, I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know, for those guys, it's obviously a different situation than ah, I'm Edward Green. I run the 200 meters. Um, I'm I'm living in the Olympic Village with three other people, and you know, my entertainment at night is to go outside and hang out and get bit by mosquitoes. Yes, and have wild, crazy sex in the Olympic Village. Have wild, crazy orgies with the billion condoms that they hand out. (sighs) Well, we'll we'll see. I I think it's going to be very interesting, and I just I hope and pray that everything goes well because this this could be the straw that literally breaks Brazil's back if something goes wrong there. Because it's going to be it's going to be 400 bajillion people in, in, who live in that country pointing to their government scene, saying, see, we fucking told you so. Which, if I was a better son of a Portuguese woman, I would actually know how to say in Portuguese, but I don't. 
So. And then I swear to God, if if everything is going to hell, if the Brazilian soccer team does not win the gold medal, Neymar may be crucified before he gets back to Barcelona. Jesus. I'm, I'm just saying, if everything is falling apart, yeah. the, the one thing that can save Brazil when everything's falling apart is the national team going and winning the World Cup or winning a big tournament. Mm-hmm. If they crash out in the semifinals... Well, they get two chances. They get Copa America and then they get the Olympics. Yeah, but but remember the Olympics, that's home soil, though. That's true. Very true. You're you're supposed to win on home soil. You're fucking Brazil. Yeah, 7-1 Germany. Yeah, 7-1 Germany. But uh, that's going to be interesting. That'll be something else to keep your eye on as the Olympics progress. If everything's going to hell, the one thing that can save the community would be the men's national team winning the tournament. You're not even wrong. All right, as we speed through here, I've already done my watch four. I'm going to just go ahead and say it was Zootopia. It's a great fucking movie. You know what else is a great fucking movie, Wes? And I'll talk about it more wet next week. What? Fucking Captain America Civil War. War. Oh, God, dog. I haven't watched it yet. Um, oh, it's really good. I'll probably watch it on my little illegal black box I have. Oh, I just fucking watched it already. It's great. I've had access to it for about a week now. just haven't watched it. Just, just watch it, man. Just... It's I heard it was good. I heard there was Black Panther. Oh, Bl- Black Panther might be the best part of that movie. It's it's either him or Spider Man. Cause man, did they nail Spider Man? Um, my watch for uh, I think this is well, this is definitely one we've talked about before. But man, Deadpool already out on Blu-ray. Yeah, I know that was quick. <laughs> That's what she I said. Mean, it just seems like I just saw it like a month ago. It seems like yeah. oh, it's on Blu-ray. Um, I've, I've got mine saved to Amazon. I, I think I'm going to have that on the way here in the next week or so. Um, Archer just came off a fantastic two-parter. Oh, those clowns. Um, <laughs> that ended with one of my favorite Archer scenes ever of uh, them being uh, shot with beanbags in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> and the best part of that being uh, Archer laughing at Cyril as he gets hit as a beanbag hits him in the face. Yes. And then uh, Lana laughing at Archer for getting hit while she's getting hit in the face. It was really good. And then Archer laughing at Lana and getting hit in the face again. It was really strong. It was fantastic. I'm really enjoy. I'm really enjoying this season of Archer, by the way. This is a really good. This is a really good way to remix the formula. That this is this was really smart. It's been it's been so damn funny with the the Figus agency. I don't know if it's better than Archer Vice, but it's really damn close. I don't say it's better, and, and I don't say it just because I'm, I'm seriously like just I enjoy Archer so much. Yeah. I mean, I still find myself, you know, I watch the random uh, because Archer basically comes on like midnight every night now. It's true, yeah. yeah. They're on either on FX or Comedy Central. Yeah, Comedy Central showing them now, so that's that's cool. Hooray! Um, so I mean, I watch just random Archer episodes all the time, and they just they don't get old. They're so funny. They're great. So uh, Archer, Deadpool. Maybe sort of the same guy deep down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I, I know that you saw my, my Facebook posting. Uh, get this world, unless you are Sterling Archer. <laughs> the prank voicemail is probably the biggest asshole move there is. Who pranked you? I had a, I had a work incident uh, where I was trying to call the mother of a patient of a young child who desperately needed these supplies and I called and uh, you know all of a sudden it's uh, it's hello hi man this is what hello hello I can't hear you hello can you hear me 
Hi, I'll leave a message. Wow. I'm literally standing there. Hello, can, can you hear Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I, I have these supplies for your child. Oh, it's a prank. Oh, my God. Well, it looks like little Billy's dying. Yeah, you know, it looks like you ain't getting this shit. Don't call me at night. Um, but it, it went over a good 15 seconds and really, really pissed me off. So, folks, once again, unless you're Archer. Yeah. Which none of you are because he's a cartoon. <laughs> don't do that stupid shit. It's really if bad. If you're over the age of 16, don't do it. It's really bad. Do it. This lady was like like in her 30s. Give me a break. Speaking speaking of quality television, Wes, dare I say that we can now apply that to So Raw? (sighs) Raw. And I'm going to tell you, man, this week of So Raw, actually there is a lot going on outside of the ring. I mean, like actual real-life story stuff uh, that we might hit a little more. Um, let's, Let's start with Raw. Um, build up for Extreme Rules continues. This is a really short build up to the next pay per view, uh, which is not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. Uh, so next Monday being the Go Home Show, and I will be in attendance at that Raw. Ed. It will be in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, the boy and I will be going. <clears throat> I have yet to decide if I'm going to wear my Outsiders T-shirt or my uh, Ric Flair for President T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I figure I'm, if, I, if I've got to throw my support behind it, I think we might be going with uh, Ric Flair over here in our house, Ed. <laughs> Woo! Um, yeah, hey, at least he'll tell you about the skeletons in his closet. <laughs> yes. At least he's open about because it. Because he is a skeleton. Oh, woo! Anyway. Um... Raw this week, you know, the big the big continuation, the world title scene. Uh, we're going to have Styles versus Reigns and Extreme Rules. It's going to be, I think it's going to be cool. I've really enjoyed the buildup. Um, my two guys, the Bullet Club guys, um, Gallows and Anderson, uh, I believe they're, it, it looks like they're going to be facing off with the Usos, uh, who, of course, are Roman Reigns' cousins. Um, real life. That, that's a shoot, Ed. That's a shoot. Yes. Um, so we've been seeing a lot of six-man between those three the last, uh, or between that group, those two groups the last few weeks. And I've enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Anderson Gallows and um, uh, Styles in person. It'll be the first time I've ever seen those guys in person. Uh, and I'm actually going to see them twice. Uh, Friday night in Greenville at a house show, and then, of course, Monday in Greensboro at Raw. So good times coming up for me with the wrestling. Um, the uh, Kevin Owens, um, Miz, um, um, Sami Zayn, and uh, Cesaro storyline is really going well. We're going to have a fatal four-way now for the Intercontinental title. Uh, that was determined on Raw this past week with uh, Zayn fighting his way in. Kevin Owens is he's getting to a level right now where I think he's about as good as anyone just character wise when he plays this whining bully asshole Mm. he is literally one of the best things I've seen on television (laughs) he's so good I mean he's so convincing and he's so hateful and he's just so easy to hate I just I think he's fantastic um that, that's been really good. Uh, Ambrose Jericho uh, has been one 
that uh, Raw actually ended this past Monday night with uh, Ambrose destroying one of Jericho's $15,000 light-up jackets. Um, it just so happened he wasn't wearing the uh, the most ornate one. I did notice that. But uh, still, it was a really cool moment in Raw. Um, basically, Jericho, his, his entrance always starts with uh, the lights going out and then Jericho kind of appearing on the stage, uh, posing, wearing this light-up jacket. So that's all you see to start with. Well, while he was on the uh, on the stage the other night, Ambrose jumped him and stole his jacket. What? <laughs> because he's Dean Ambrose, and that's what the hell he does. <laughs> uh, but it was really fun. It was it was a good little raw. It wasn't the best ever. I'm gonna tell you, actually, Monday night, uh, I had such a rough day at work on Monday. I came home and went to bed. Oh man. Um. So I kind of watched Raw over the last two days to catch up on it, and like I said, had some good stuff. It wasn't earth shattering, but they did have some good stuff. Um, so, uh, solid Raw. I'm looking forward to a really good go-home show. Um, it'll be the first time I've ever been to Raw. Not my first wrestling show, by any means, but the first time I've ever been to a live Raw. So, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, <clears throat> okay, off the, uh, off the screen, um, a couple things. Let's start with what happened last week. Um, so that, they kind of, tongue-in-cheek, called it spring cleaning, uh, as yeah. uh, released, uh, I believe it ended up being eight eight talents last week. Um, the main ones, the main ones up there that you saw were uh, were Damian Sandow and Wade Barrett. Those were kind of the big two. That's bad news. Oh, it was. And, you know, I'll give Wade Barrett his props. You know, that's a guy. He's Ed. He's got the look. He's got the talent. He's got the charisma. The problem was he's been there about five or six years. It seemed like every time he was starting to get a push, he got hurt. That sucks. And and it, it would have to that you'd have to sit there and abort the push every time it seemed like, and that sucked for him because he was he was really really entertaining. Uh, Damian Sandow is one. I was never the biggest Sandow fan. I mean, I found him entertaining at times. Um, I saw a lot of people who were just completely devastated by it. But uh, he was a guy that they never really seemed to know how to how to do anything with. I mean, could be extremely entertaining at times. And then, you know, people begin behind him, and then he just disappeared for like two or three months off TV. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that was really disappointing for people. Uh, Santino Morella, who had actually retired from in-ring within the last year, um, you know, he was released. Uh, Hornswoggle, mm. who was uh, who was WWE's resident Wee Man, uh, he was released. As was their other Wee Man, El Torito. Uh, those two actually had a great match a couple summers ago. It was a, it was called a Wee LC match. Um, completely politically correct. Yeah, LC. Uh, it was a it was a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Um, and everything was like many tables, many chairs, many ladders. But it was actually quite entertaining <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, there were a few other ones in there. Uh, I cannot remember every one off the top of my head. Um, but those were the big ones. Um, Ryback is a guy who's been in the news a lot lately. Um, he wrote a really controversial blog post Um talking about why he, quote, asked to be taken off of television. 
um, and yeah. and had a lot to say about uh, about pay. I actually read that for the talent. Yeah. Um, now here, here's my deal. A, I'm I'm not a wrestling talent, so I can't totally tell you how those guys feel about it. Mm-hmm. But one of the big key points he made was, you know, we all deserve equal pay. I, I don't agree with that. Now I understand. Yes, you know. It is it is a predetermined event. It's not quote a sport. And yes, you know the guys who lose sometimes do just as big a job for getting people over as the guys who win. I understand that. But here's my here's my thing. As far as Ryback, no one's buying a ticket because Ryback is the guy on the poster. Mm. I'm buying a ticket personally to go see Roman Reigns and AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose, and for whatever you want to say, John Cena. Those are the guys, and you know, when he was there, Daniel Bryan, Triple H, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Those are the guys that people are going to see. Now, then you have to build a show once you get people in there. You know, and yes, you know, um, you need those kind of guys. You need the guys who can go out, put on solid matches, yeah. and you do the guys who lose, Okay. But at the end of the day, I've just I've always believed, you know, you pay the guys more who are the draws, who are the big draws. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's how I feel about it. Now, full disclosure, I, I have never been a Ryback fan. I mean, I'm even beyond that. I can't stand the guy. And it's not because he's a good guy or a bad guy. I, just, I hate listening to him talk. I don't like his voice. I don't like his cadence. I don't like his character. I don't like his look. He looks like a giant steroided up meathead. And I mean, he calls himself the big guy. You know, he refers to himself as the big guy in third person. It's clever. That really gets on my fucking nerves. So, I mean, I never liked the guy to start with. So, you know, if he comes on WWE TV, I'm not, I, you know, it will do nothing to change my viewing habits. It might actually keep me on it a little longer because a lot of times when he's wrestling, that's my pee break. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll just have to hold my piss a little longer. Um, you know, I just, I found that really interesting, really interesting, um, you know, reading it. And it, it's been some really good debate online about it. But that's that's my take on it. I believe, you know, the big draws should be paid more. Yeah. That's why I feel about, you know, Rick, Rick Flair got a hell of a lot more people in there than, uh, than, you know, uh, shit, just about anybody. <laughs> yeah. The Rick Flair should have made the money. Um, a couple other things real quick. I know we're about to get done. Um, Vince McMahon has announced that four big time talents should be back within the next month in WWE back on television. Uh, John Cena has already been confirmed. His return will come on Memorial Day that Monday night. Uh, John Cena will be back. Um, also, we should be seeing Bray Wyatt. We should be seeing John. Uh, I already said John Cena, Randy Orton, and then of course the one that got me nipples tingling: the return of Seth Rollins. Oh yes. I'm just going to tell you, getting back Orton, Cena, um, Wyatt, and Rollins. I think right now, in the last month since WrestleMania, <clears throat> this kind of new era is starting. I think they've done some really good things. A, you bring back Rollins, who I believe will immediately become 
if not the best wrestler, the second best wrestler. He and Styles are going to be one and one A to me. Um, obviously, I'm a monster Rollins fan. You know that. Um, Cena moves the dial. Whatever you think about him, Cena moves the dial, and he can actually have really good matches if you get him with the right people. Randy Orton is fantastic, and Bray Wyatt is just waiting to bust out. That's going to do nothing but improve the product, getting those four guys back in there. So really excited about that. Oh, fantastic. And uh, I, think I'll, I think I'll leave it at that. There was a story today about um, uh, Adam Rose being arrested down in Florida and is actually being held without bail right now. Something about assaulting a witness. Mm. Um, he, he's had some issues. He's been suspended due to a uh, wellness violation. Um, and there's been a lot of controversy about that. But then apparently this has happened. Um so don't be shocked if he's the next one to be released from his contract. Which would suck because he's entertaining. But what is? Don't assault people. Oh, speaking of assault, that brings us to the end of the podcast. That was almost at one point called assault. Um, I pushed hard for that, didn't I? You pushed super hard, and thankfully it, it did not go over. Um <laughs> It's, it was the Ryback of names for this podcast. <sighs> Poor Ryback. But as we mentioned, that is the end of this episode of the A Foreign Affair podcast presented by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We never stop, but like we said, this podcast is about to. But please join us again next week. We'll be wrapping up this crazy Premier League season and putting it to bed once and for all. As you mentioned, we will be just hours off of Europa League triumph or shame for one West Bradshaw and Liverpool as they take on Sevilla at St. Jacob Park. Uh, we'll also, of course, be able to wrap up a few other leagues. La Liga still a little bit in doubt. Real Madrid one point behind Barcelona. We'll see if they can catch up to them this weekend or if Barcelona can save a little bit of life for the club this year. So, Wes, before we get out of here, anything else to add? Uh, playoff baseball going on right now. Uh, big congratulations uh, to our good friend of our TV show and of the pod here, uh, Baseball Britt Johnson. Uh, right now, his Lander Bearcats, uh, the number one ranked team in the southeastern region. The region uh, of death. Region of death, that's right. Uh, they are the uh, Peach Belt regular season conference champions, um, and they should definitely be going to the regional as a very high seed. And would love to see those guys back in carry so we can make us a trip down there to see baseball. All righty. Well, then... That's going to do it. Uh, of course, you can always catch us on our social media. You can catch NGSC Sports, appropriately enough, at NGSC Sports. You can catch uh, our Twitter feed at AFA Pod. I am at Edward Green. Wes, you are? At Wes Bradshaw 21. You can also, of course, find us via our sister show, the all new sports show you can find us on facebook uh, facebook.com slash all new sports show you can email us all new sports show at gmail.com finally mail us letters and parcels to 1701 sunset avenue suite 201 rocky mount north carolina 27804 we'd also of course like to thank all of our other podcast providers including the itunes music store spreaker.com stitcher radio the tune in radio app iheart radio and now new Google Play Music Store. Google Play Music now has podcasts, and they picked us up. Why? 
I don't know, but they did it, Wes, and we're happy. They know that I, I use Google multiple, multiple times a day and that I Google just about everything I do in life. Well, there you go. Now you can Google the Afford Affair yeah. podcast. Thanks, guys. You guys rock. I love you. Thanks, Google. We appreciate it. So, from McCall and Crime, Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. It's going to do it for episode 106 of the Afford Affair podcast. We'll catch you guys next week and enjoy this final weekend of Premier League Glory. Good night, Leicester City. We champions of the Well, you think we'll ever say that again? You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.